You are listening to the Self Made Bay podcast with your co-hosts Danny Fountain and Lola Gilbert, who dive deep into the psychology and strategy of starting a business. Here is the place where we get real with you, talk about the gritty parts of business that make us cry, and cut out the bullshit. We're ready to talk about how the hell we handle the day-to-day when life gets hard. Take our hands, join in conversation, and get real support as you build your empire. Because you're a self-made babe. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feeds or iTunes. You can also follow us on Instagram at selfmadebabepodcast. All links are in the show notes. Now, let's get into the show. Hello, and welcome back to the Self-Made Babe podcast. Today, we're here with Jessica, the photographer and videographer behind Shurek Studios. Jessica's always had a love for art and went to university for fashion communication. She then traveled around Europe with just a backpack of clothes, her camera, and her boyfriend, and it was during that trip that she realized she wanted to pursue photography. A year later, when she graduated, she was hired to work in the marketing department for a Canadian retailer, so she packed up everything she owned and moved to Montreal to start her career in the fashion industry. During her time in Montreal, she met and worked alongside various creative entrepreneurs and collaborated with businesses, and then has since traded in the traditional 9-to-5 office job to pursue an entrepreneurial career path that has allowed her to explore exactly what makes her soul happy. Welcome, Jessica. Thanks so much for being on. Hi. I'm super pumped to be here. Love. Do you want to go ahead and tell us a little bit more about what you're doing today so that the listeners know what you're up to? Yeah, well, I'm actually just approaching my, like, one-year business anniversary. Like, it's Woo! Yes! Congratulations! Fun. Thank you. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I guess lately I've just been working on a lot of shoots honestly like I, the spring has really picked up and I guess just like being in business for a year it's like I'm at that point where just like more inquiries more uh, things being planned and I'm just working on actually adding more like brand films to my portfolio I was talking today with someone about it but I guess just that's like a slight pivot I'm making so I'm doing like like the photos still for uh, entrepreneurs but then yeah also branching into that more so uh, so yeah. good. And for those of you in the audience who don't know, uh, Jessica and I are actually hanging out in Toronto together this next week, working on a little photo project of our own. So stay tuned for that to come out. We'll be sure to pop a link in the show notes. So Jessica, when you applied to be on the show, all your questions were about marketing, which made my little heart so happy. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go ahead and dive in. Uh, The first thing that you said is something that I think everyone listening can relate to. You said that you feel Mm -hmm. swamped with marketing and trying to do everything. Um, What areas should you be focusing your time on most? And then you listed 57,000 things, which I was like, preach, girl, so many things. Um, And I think what you're going to like here is that there is no one-size-fits-all answer. Um, you know, because you've been in business a year and I really think that you found your ideal client. Um, but you know that one of the most important things is to figure out where your ideal client lives, right? Um, have you had an opportunity to figure out where that is and what platform it is that most of your audience is? Yeah. Um, Instagram is probably like one of my biggest like referrers for, uh, clients and my audience is like, well, like I'm trying to market myself mainly to uh, Toronto just because I just live just outside there and I plan to like eventually. There again. And I also get a lot of, so both of those are like, you know, big Canadian cities, like, um, you know, where all the like a lot of businesses are, a lot of creative people are. Um, so that's definitely like where my audience is located, but, um, even like abroad too, like I like taking projects on from, uh, people that live like all over Canada, the U S if like they want to ship me products or like you are and travel here and do a photo shoot. Um, yeah, but definitely Instagram right now is my biggest like social media platform. So the awesome answer to your question is that you should be focusing on your time the most on where your audience is. 
Um, mm-hmm. So for you, that means Instagram is most important, but also recognizing that Instagram is not a platform that we own. Also working on marketing on a platform that you own and you're doing this, building your email list and doing some blogging. Um, those are things that you do own because that is your website and your uh, email platform. So pairing a good Instagram strategy with a good email marketing and blogging strategy would probably be a really good mix for you. Okay. And then you're, no, go ahead. I was I'm kind of like doing that, but I've been like trying to like, yeah, basically evaluate like where's the best place to put my time. So it's just like more of that now. For sure. And I think it's important to start to branch out into other things. Like I, for sure, I feel like I am on all of those things and it can be too much. Um, mm-hmm. But I always come back to my core, which my core is Instagram and email marketing. Um, so mm-hmm. we're kind of twins, but <laughs> I always come back to my core. And if I'm strapped for time, that's where uh, my priority goes. Okay. So then your next question, you wanted to talk about speaking. So talk to us about what your goals are with speaking uh, before we give you some advice. Um, well, I don't know. I think I've just been like really inspired, honestly, by you and by like other entrepreneurs that I've like connected with, like in the digital world and just seeing how they like um, are speaking at events or like webinars as well. And just like kind of cultivating like an audience and like having like that influence and people trust their opinions. I just like thought that was like, I don't know. It just really inspired me. Like I love seeing when people do that. So I think that's just something I'd love to like eventually branch into and like, whether it be things related to like um, branding or like photography or film and like telling your story or even just like kind of transitioning from working like a nine to five job, like in the corporate world to um, owning your own business and like how to like, make that happen like those are kind of topics I would like to eventually like talk about and like share my knowledge with to audience so that's kind of my goals it'd be nice to do like um like ones that are just like uh where you go and just like volunteer time but eventually like anything leading to paid gigs would be amazing as well so first of all for you and the audience check out Jessica Rastel um she's a speaking coach this is her her business is literally built on taking you from Mm -hmm never having spoke anywhere to unpaid speaking gigs through to paid speaking gigs. Um, So definitely an amazing resource. Um, But the crazy thing is once you get one, it's like the floodgates open, you know, when you're in college and there's that awkward dichotomy, you're applying for jobs and they want you to have experience, but in order to get experience, someone has to give you a job. Um, The same is true of speaking when you apply for speaking gigs, people want you to have spoke other places, but then in order to get that gig, like in order to get that experience, someone has to give you a gig. Um, So the first key is getting that first gig because once you've spoke one place, one time and have a couple photos and a testimonial from doing that, the world gets 50% easier. Um, so if that's something small, something local, my first speaking gig was to eight women in an office in Chicago, nothing glamorous. Mm -hmm. Um, so just finding something small. Yeah. I actually, uh, kind of reached out to someone that I knew that like I attended a retreat that they hosted in the fall and they're doing it again in the summer. And like I attended, but I have like a relationship with the person who hosts it. And I was like, you know, if you want someone to take photos of the event or if you're still looking for speakers, like it's something I'd like love to do. So I'm like really hoping maybe that helps like maybe turns into something and just cause I already know them, but do you recommend having like any sort of like video footage of you speaking at the event to like show like that you're comfortable and confident while speaking or just photos and a testimonial is good. So if you have the resources, which in your case, because you are a videographer, you might be able to set something up. Um, or if you're willing to pay someone to do video, yes, mm-hmm. being able to have a speaking reel mm-hmm. is truly amazing. Um, but if that's not like for someone in the audience who might not be a videographer or might not know, um, photos are important. Even if it's just someone with your phone sitting in the audience taking some photos, once you mm-hmm. do a second gig, you can replace those photos with better photos. Um, and also posting on social while you're doing it. Every time I do a speaking gig, I have someone in the audience that I know or trust with my phone, um, Insta story me at the speaking gig, just because it shows my audience 
flow I'm speaking. And then, I mean, there are other conference organizers that follow me on Instagram. So hopefully they see the stories and they're getting that raw, less than perfect video footage. Um, but photos and testimonials are so important. I have like after every single speaking gig I do, mm -hmm. I send an email uh, to the conference organizer and one or two people in the audience that I think would give a good testimonial and say, hey, it was so great to connect with you at such and such event. It was such a pleasure getting to learn more about what you're doing. Um, as you know, I'm building my speaking business, and it's so important to have testimonials. Would you mind writing one for me? Uh, here are four questions that I think you could answer to get that information, like to kind of get that information out of them in a way that's going to benefit you. Um, and then you sign it off like, thank you so much. And I send that to those people with all of them on BCC. Um, and at least one person from every event responds. That's awesome. That's such a good idea. Yeah, super easy. And then you okay. just throw up a speaking page on your website, right? Like I've spoke here, here were the photos, here was mm -hmm. what they said. Um, if you want to book me to speak, here's my contact form. Mm -hmm. And now like for the gigs that you get now, do they reach out to you like the conference coordinators or do you kind of like pitch to them? So when I started, it was 100% I was pitching. Um, and up until I would say even January, I was still 100% pitching. And now I'm probably 50-50 between, I still pitch and apply for places and 50% of the gigs that I get, it's people asking or someone else tags me on Instagram and recommends me to the organizer and then I reach out to the organizer, something like that. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So exciting seeing that transition. Mm -hmm. And, and it, it's not, it doesn't take a long time either. My first creative entrepreneur speaking gig uh, was mm -hmm. September of 2016. I'd spoken uh, like different places outside of the industry um, mm -hmm. before that. So from September to now it's April, that's a pretty quick turn. So, that's and it's amazing. not impossible. Yeah. Yeah. That's super fast. That's awesome. So the next question that you have, I think actually Lola might have some input on this one since she's in the middle of building a membership site right now. Um, mm -hmm. But you asked, you are about to launch a membership site for your stock shop and you want to know if you should have a limited time to sign up, like a recurring launch two or three times throughout the year, a limited number of registrants to promote exclusivity or keep it open evergreen all the time. And you said that you want to give an incentive for people to sign up, but you hate being salesy or pushy. Yes. Such a good question. Lola, do you want to answer first and then I'll chase it up with some marketing knowledge? <laughs> yeah. I mean, my opinion on it is going to just purely be based off of my experience because this is my first membership launch. Um, and everybody's community is a little bit different. The people that are be going to be searching out, um, your community because if i understand it correctly your community would be basically providing or your membership site excuse me would be providing a product basically on a monthly yep. basis or weekly or however you decide to release it and our community is more um not really offering services like that on a consistent basis it's more like community driven like connecting yep. on each other with it uh, with one another inside the membership site. So, so I do want to mention that, that it is a little bit different, but for me, when I was going about thinking, um, which one would be best for Babetown, um, I really just felt like it consistently being open was something that just fit our community best because we continue to grow all the time. And because mm -hmm. we're moving so much of our content to the membership site where a lot of that is going to be exclusive because I really want it to be exclusive to the people who are willing to invest that number every month into their futures. Um, so for me, that's what made sense. But I thought a lot about, cause I've seen it done well. I mean, even um, the savvy community, right? They do it. What is it? Quarterly or something, Danny, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's either once a quarter or twice a year. Yeah. And, and they had tremendous success. And I think it, it lends itself to giving you time to really focus on those people that signed up in that 
you know, in that time frame. So I'm interested, Danny, to see what you have to say. But for me specifically, I just really, I didn't want to have big pushes. I mean, we'll still probably have one, you know, once or twice a year, letting a large group of people know that, hey, this is what it, where it is, what's going on, all of that. But, um, but for, for me, it, it just didn't fit to do it that yeah. way. So you find it works well, like you don't need the like urgency to make it people want to sign up? Yeah, I mean, there's still there's still an urgency we put into place other places, right? Mm -hmm. Like we still, like for instance, um, some of the education we offer, you can get really awesome discounts by being a member. Um, mm -hmm. So if they want that course, course, that implements them to sign up for a membership. Um, or if we have webinars that we do twice a month um, and that creates urgency monthly because if they want to be part of the mem if they want to be part of those webinars, they have to be um, a member of the site. So I think that we create urgency in smaller ways rather than this is it, sign up now or yeah. die kind of thing, you know? I like that a lot better. Yeah, and, and that's just my personality. I kind of, I jive with you on that, that I'm not a huge mm -hmm. salesy person. And it's mm -hmm. not because I don't really struggle with feeling gross about selling. It's just not how our community runs, per se. It's yeah. not our vibe. Um, so I'm just a little bit more laid back. So that's what's worked mm -hmm. for me. And I think I'll have a better idea in like a month or two. Send me an email and I'll yeah. shoot you my experience. But but that it's worked well so far. I don't know. What do you think, Danny? So I actually super second what Lola said in terms of having it evergreen and then doing those targeted pushes. Um, because if you do the targeted pushes and lock it down, you're going to miss out on those trickle sales in the in-between periods. Mm -hmm. But if you have it open all of the time and then you can do strategic pushes as and when you have the time or you notice that there's a need in the market or there's some kind of course, like if 90% of people build new websites in September, then maybe you would do a push in August to get people mm -hmm. to, I'm making this up, um, but doing research to figure out when those times are that people need stock photos the most. Um, doing pushes around that, that gives you the flexibility to do that without losing out on like smaller pushes, always mentioning it in the bottom of your email newsletter. Um, those smaller kinds of things that you can do. You could do like a once a month post on Instagram to drive people there. Um, I was gonna, you just made me think of the other thing that I was gonna say is that I didn't want to cut off friends from telling friends and then them not signing up because it's not open for another six months or three months or eight weeks or whatever. Um, that really limits those sales and those community members drive to your website. Exactly. Yeah. So I think the answer of um, it may be in the beginning, maybe when you launch, you do you do a promotion like if um, people who sign up when you launch maybe save 25% on their membership and they're grandfathered into that or something to create the initial urgency when you launch. Um, but then I would keep it open evergreen is what I would do. Okay, okay cool. Well, it sounds good. I haven't even launched yet because I've been so like stuck in that part of my business right now. <laughs> It's like, I'm not sure how to like go forward. Like, oh God, I don't know how to do launches. Like to have to do a launch and like. <laughs> and I also think something else to, to think about that may or may not change it is that I, I think Evergreen also works really well if you are pricing at a point that isn't super high. Like for instance, our membership pricing is $15 for, for a month. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and they have the option of yearly sign up, but if they want to sign up for a month, they're not really going to be sticker shocked by that price. Mm -hmm. um, so that's also could be different if let's say you are another community. I know other ones out there that are like $60 a month. That's going to be a little mm -hmm. bit different. Um, mm -hmm. so, so just figuring out where you are and, and like Danny said, testing out your market, it's much different than maybe and Danny are looking at, but, but I think you're going to do awesome. And I really, really think the evergreen way is, is, awesome so very cool we see the launch model a lot for courses like b-school right b-school only opens up once per year and that's because it's that two grand price no one honestly like if marie forleo kept b-school open year round i'm not just going to decide tomorrow you know like 
oh, let's go spend $2,000 and sign up for B-School, mm-hmm. um, especially like with live calls and all of those other things that go into courses. Courses work a lot better on that like once a year, twice a year model. When it's something like a stock membership where you're constantly adding new content and things are changing mm-hmm. and there's more content as time goes on and uh, people need it throughout the year because they need to keep their Instagram fresh, um, it makes a lot more sense to make it evergreen. Okay. Okay, cool. And you can, yeah, and you can focus it. your time creating that killer content that you make rather than doing so many big pushes throughout the year. You know what yes. I mean? Like continue to make them want more and tell their friends and, and show their friends where they're getting these awesome images and all of that. Mm-hmm. You'll do great. I like blogging about like stock photos and like how to use them and all that stuff. So that I'm like, I like doing that. But yeah, the launch kind of is intimidating. I find like when it's a big thing, and the push. So yeah, evergreen sounds good to me. So good. Okay, Lola, get ready because this is the last marketing question. <laughs> uh, you also wanted to know what the most effective marketing strategies were for a premium price service, especially when you aren't the type of business to run special sales or promos. Um, so the first thing <laughs> that I would comment, just being a client of yours and having experienced your sales process. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you in the audience, um, we are shooting photos this coming week in April. I think I talked to Jessica for the first time like last September. Yeah, and I didn't call. yeah, and I didn't sign a contract with her until like soon before Christmas. Yeah, like December, um, yeah. Yeah. But Jessica's model was such that we had our little coffee chat. She like told me what was going on and what I could expect. And then she was checking in on my Instagram. She was liking my Facebook posts. She would pop in with an email because she knew my rebrand was coming up and she had an idea because she saw something that she thought would help my rebrand. Um, <laughs> so I think, I think your it sales, so <laughs> oh my God, that's, that's, so nice. that's what you did. Um, and premium priced <laughs> services need those multiple touch points like that. You need yeah. to curate that VIP experience. Mm-hmm. And I felt like by the time we, by the time I finally booked in December, like we were already really good friends because yeah. you'd spent all of that time <laughs> basically working on me. <laughs> I love um, your but it, so funny. it wasn't like the best part of what I do. <laughs> yeah, it, like it wasn't really <laughs> exactly. That was what I was gonna get to. Is that it wasn't salesy. Never mm-hmm. once did you pitch never Mm -hmm. once did you anything um you let me like you led me to the water without pulling (laughs) on my harness yeah um so and I think for a premium price service that's that's what's critical so my answer is effective marketing strategies for premium price service one honey don't promo your shit because a your work is worth it um and b like if you have a premium price point and then you promo it, you devalue the premium price point. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the other side of that is craft a VIP experience because even after you book, if even after I booked with you in December, you didn't fall off the face of the earth. You sent me a brand questionnaire that I had to like take time and think about, which was keeping you top of mind. Mm-hmm. And then we created the Pinterest board, which was keeping you top of mind. <laughs> then we were figuring out the logistics for the shoot, which was keeping you top of mind. Like I, I basically have been talking to you probably twice a month since September. And yeah, that's yeah. the kind of experience that you want to cultivate where, yes, it's only this one day where we're shooting. There's hair, there's makeup, there's whatever. And that mm-hmm. one day is the end result. But we've spent six months building up to it where I feel like I've gotten so much more value than just that one day because you've also had input on my rebrand. You've also had input on these other things. Um, And that's what people will pay for in a premium price point. This is so nice to know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So basically, do what you're doing. Wow. That's such like... It makes me feel so good. <laughs> it's like sometimes I feel like you want like an answer that's like, what's the secret? But when you're just like hearing, you know, keep doing what you're doing is actually like, it's like the best answer to hear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I think, I don't know. I think you've just, 
you've crafted a good process and your, your price mm-hmm. point is, I mean, I would call it premium. I, I mean, sorry, listeners. Uh, I paid 10 times what I paid the last time I got headshots, getting headshots from you, but yep. it's all of these touch points mm-hmm. um, that you've crafted along the way that make that price point valuable. And if you can mm-hmm. show that to someone, Mm-hmm. you eliminate the question of price because they want the value. So question then, like, how would you, how would you, I guess, like show the value of those touch points? Like, would it be through like the emails I send and like the Instagram posts? Like what are good ways to keep showing that value, I guess? Cause instead of like running promos, yeah, I try to always like write about like, I guess like the importance of like location scouting or like wardrobe tips or like, I don't know, I guess just try to like give knowledge in a way. Yeah, so I would say it's it's a three phase. The first phase is when you're finding people online and you're going to do that through your Instagram content, through um, your blogging, your emailing, whatever you're doing. The mm-hmm. second piece is from the moment they become a lead to the first call. There's nothing sleazier than having a call booked with someone at 2 p.m. on Thursday And at 1 p.m. on Thursday, they follow me on Instagram. It doesn't matter what I was going to buy from them. I am out because that tells me that they started their potential client research an hour before our meeting and that I'm not valuable to them. The people who follow me on Instagram a week before our call or three days before our call if I only booked it four days out. Like the people who follow me and start doing their research as soon as I book the call. Um, mm-hmm. I know that those people are more excited to get my business than the person who follows me on Instagram an hour before our call. And yeah. all she has to contribute to the conversation is what she's read from my last three Instagram posts. Mm. So I think, yeah. and especially with Instagram stories that disappear in 24 hours, if you follow someone like a week out of that first call and you see their Instagram story, like, you can't go find that the day of. If you can reference something that was in their Instagram story a week ago, you can show mm-hmm. that you've been paying attention. So piece number two is pay attention and truly care. And then mm-hmm. piece number three is just doing what you do. Like, it took from September to December for me to book you. But in that time, you didn't disappear. Mm-hmm. Um, you were touching back in. And that it maybe took you 15 minutes to write that email to me. But whatever piece of advice you gave was so valuable that it was probably worth, what, two hours of my time because I don't have the branding background. Mm -hmm. Um, So the touching back in matters. So first, drawing them in with authentic content. Two, showing that you care during the lead process. And then three, post first call pre-booking, doing what you do. Okay, cool. (laughs) Sounds good. Yeah. Danny, can I play devil's advocate for our listeners real quick? Of course you can. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I'm just curious what you think is too much giving away. um, Oh, heck yes. Through the process, because I think that there's a very fine line between um, being there for your potential client and serving them before they may have booked and then also giving way too much and then them not booking. And then, you know what I mean? There's kind of a fine line there. So I have two pieces to my answer to this question. Um, I never, ever, ever give away more than 5% of what the total time would be worth. So for example, my standard marketing package is $3,000. 5% of that is $150. I know what my hourly rate is. I don't give away more than my hourly rate up to $150 in free advice, free time, free whatever. Um, So that's piece number one. And piece number two is I never do it in a way that's disingenuous. If I'm just digging for information to keep a point of touch open with the client, bye. Um, But the, the biggest things that you can do that save time that don't feel like you're giving it away, um, but you're still like making an impression, send a handwritten thank you note after the consult call. Like my proposals are open for two weeks from the time of the consult call. 
Um, two weeks is plenty enough time to write. I write it on a postcard and pop it in the mail. Um, they get my postcard in the mail maybe three or four days into their decision-making process. Um, mm-hmm. It cost me, what is a postage stamp for a postcard? Like 23 cents and five <laughs> minutes of my time. But mm-hmm. how many other people send handwritten notes after consult calls? Um, so you can find little things like that to do that have high ROI, but don't feel like you're giving so much away and don't feel like you're wasting your time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. I just, I hear so many girls in our group talking about all this time that they're investing in their clients, which is awesome. That's such a great customer and client experience, but at some point you got to figure out what the best ways to invest in that experience is before they're booked. And then what you're going to give to your paid clients, the people that have invested in you and what you want to invest back in them kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. And so another piece of that is knowing what you're worth. Because if you don't know what an hour of your time is, is worth to you financially or what an hour of your time represents financially or if your packages aren't priced correctly and you are charging like a sweet photographer friend of mine $150 for 10 processed images and a 90-minute shoot um, for headshots mm-hmm. you, you're going to give you're going to give the baby away <laughs> before they even book you because you don't have a frame of reference for what your time is worth so before yeah. we even get into figuring out what what you're giving, know what your time is worth, which Jessica, you obviously do. Um, but for the <laughs> listeners out there, know what your time is worth, give yourself an hourly rate, do the math so that your packages reflect that. Mm-hmm. I tried figuring that out all out actually like right as I was launching, just like structuring <laughs> like, okay, how much time do I need to like spend on client work and like marketing and like accounting per month? And how much do I need to make per month to like run a business and also like live my life and pay tax. So yeah, that's how I figured it out. But I was like, okay, you can't, yeah, can't charge like $9 an hour. No, (laughs) if you are making less (laughs) in your business, then you would be at a day job. We have a problem because we already work more than we would Mm -hmm. at a day job. And that's fine because it's a labor of love. Um, But if you're making less than you would be at a day job, assuming you work a standard 40, we that's a whole other conversation for a whole other podcast yeah. episode. <laughs> no, I won't dive into that, but no, I totally agree with you on that. Yeah. And for our listener and listeners, quick shout out to, to Brittany of Simply for Creatives. If you guys are yes. looking, if you guys are looking for someone to help you guys figure out um, what your time is worth and what you need to be charging. She is absolutely incredible. And we'll make sure there's a link in the show notes for you for that such a good plug we both lola and i both are obsessed with Brittany, so you check her Changed out. both of my businesses so okay <laughs> let's get started with yeah she's incredible um so let's get started with some psychology and some stuff that you are struggling with on the personal side jessica i know you didn't share a ton of that with us. Um, I know you were super, super interested um, in a lot of the marketing stuff. And I think that is totally common across the, bo- across the board. It's what we all think of. We don't really think about self-care. We don't really think about our emotions. We're just like running through the shit and like hoping we can get to the end goal, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're trying to figure out the business stuff because that's what that's how our mind works. That's the gears. And that's how we're going to get there. But then we forget about ourselves. So when I was reading through all of your um, questions, first off, I was excited because a lot of them are the same questions that I either ask Annie or try not mm-hmm. to ask Annie. So I'm not <laughs> taking advantage of her. <laughs> so I get happy when people are asking the questions for me because then I don't see what yeah, asking them, yeah. <laughs> um, But so but the other thing I noticed is that you're such a big dreams girl and mm-hmm. not that we share that. Um, I'm, I'm a dreamer. I'm not necessarily the person that thinks about all the little pieces. I think about um, the big picture and where I want to go. Um, so, but often what comes with a lot of us big dreamers, and I think just as entrepreneurs and creative entrepreneurs in general, most of us are, um, but overwhelm quickly, quickly creeps in when it comes to wanting to do all the things right now. 
Um, and that's something that I talk a lot about on this podcast is trying to help a lot of the women with the overwhelm and the self-doubt and all of that. Um, can you talk a little bit about how specifically overwhelm hits you on a day-to-day basis as a you know, creative entrepreneur. Sure. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So I definitely get anxiety like a lot. Um, but I've been actually trying to like meditate more. So that's definitely helping, but, um, I don't know. And it shows up in so many different ways just from like, I don't know, just being a bit more depressed or like, um, like with what you eat or like, I don't know, just like not, feeling like you have someone to talk to or like I had sleep problems for a while. Like I was having like sleep apnea and it was just like all because of the stress. Oh, I didn't no. go away just by like having to really just pay attention daily, like taking care of myself. But yeah. And it's, it's crazy. I don't know. Yeah. Like it was worse when I was working at my corporate job, honestly. So it's better now, but yeah, and we get more time to get kind of like a grasp on it when we are with ourselves all day and not in like a corporate job. So that's a good thing along with many of the other amazing things of being an entrepreneur and a self-made babe. But, um, but still the, the overwhelm is something that we tend to let, um, let kind of just, just marinate in our lives and not address. And so the one thing that I wanted to mention, because you were talking about all of these different things that you want to do, like speaking and the membership site and just making sure that your packaging is right and your premium pricing is correct. And I just want to talk a little bit about saying yes. And, and when you do say yes to things that you're being a hundred percent in, because for me, overwhelm creeps in when I'm neglecting a priority, right? So when I am watching parenthood with my husband, like it was an hour ago, but I'm also checking my phone and like checking Instagram and like responding to emails for me when I feel like I'm half-assing a bunch of shit like not only am I half-assing my business but I'm half-assing my relationship with my husband right so for me overwhelm like kicks my ass in that moment because I never feel accomplished you never get to sit in that like tick the box off it's done right like you never get to feel that when everything's done half-assed so I just want to like I said, I just want to like mention to you and to our listeners that although we want to do like all the things, if we're going to do all the things, which I know we can because we're all incredible, just make sure that when you're saying yes to things, you 100% mean it and that that leeways into a healthy relationship with scheduling and all those things that we know that we should be doing. Um which I am still working on. I say that all the time. I am not the, my Google calendar is not my best friend, but I am working on it. Um <laughs> But, but yeah, do you ever feel like that? Do you ever feel like you are being pulled in 50 different directions and then so you don't feel like you're accomplished in anything? Um, yeah, I definitely feel like I'm pulled in a lot of different directions just because I'm like drawn to different ideas and like what I want to do. Um, like I feel accomplished if I stick with something, but I've just been trying, like it's sometimes hard to figure out if something's going to be a right direction or not. And I usually just try to check in and be like, well, how do I feel when I'm doing this? Like, do I really enjoy it? Or am I doing it? Cause I feel like I have to. And I, it's funny cause it was more recently, but that's what I felt with actually doing the whole stock shop thing was I was like, I love, love, love doing client work. I love connecting with one-on-one with clients and planning their custom shoots. But I really just didn't get that same like meaningful, I don't know, like that meaning from when I did the stock photography stuff and like working on my own and like just trying to like figure out concepts. Like I liked getting clients input. So I was like, oh, I don't really like this, but I felt a big need to start have some sort of passive income, <laughs> which is, I know, a hot topic. So yeah, that was a recent thing that I was like, oh no, like I don't like doing this. So like, should I do it? Because, you know, passive income is the key to find like financial success, like your future and stuff. Or do I just stick with like what I'm most passionate about that doesn't even feel like work? which is why I'm interested in the whole speaking thing at some point, because I really like encouraging people and motivating them and just like sharing anything I know and giving like a different perspective. And I find that people who are either wanting to start a business or who are in their first years and just like need, um, I don't know, like need help or guidance. Like I like just to be like, here, I'll just tell you everything I know and learned. And they always find it so helpful. So I'm like speaking would be like that, but on like a larger scale. So it's kind of hard. It's like some things I take on and I'm like, oh, I don't like it. And I try to like pivot quickly or figure out how can I make it work for me. But it's still like, I don't, I don't always know right from the beginning. I, I don't know if that answered your question. But. <laughs> <laughs> no, <that's laughs> totally fine. Well, the good thing is that 
Um, there are a million different ways to have passive, passive income that you enjoy. Um, so, so don't feel like you have to have it just to have it. Um, and I think Danny would probably second that, but, um, I think that, um, when we are trying all of these new things out as quickly as we talk ourselves into them, we quickly talk ourselves out of them. So sometimes you need to like sit with that, like, feeling of like, oh, I hate this now. And like, be like, okay, do I really hate it? Or is it just something that's overwhelming me? Right? Like mm-hmm. back to that overwhelm. Because sometimes I will have an idea and I'll be like, this is so awesome. And then all of a sudden I can't breathe and I'm being crushed by this new awesome idea. And then I tell myself that I hate it because then it justifies quitting. Right? Mm-hmm. So and I'm not saying that's not, that's, I'm not saying that's what you're doing. I'm just saying like, just that is often what we do to ourselves. Um, so, so just for you and our listeners, just make sure that you are taking the time to like really evaluate those feelings and not just like take yourself off the hook so that you don't have That's to do true. it anymore. I don't want to be a quitter. <laughs> <laughs> and quitting isn't bad. It's not bad when it's valid and when you have made a a conscious and an educated decision about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have quit a lot things in my life, like a lot of things. And I'm not ashamed of it. Like they didn't work for me and that's fine. But I took the time and I figured some things it was very quick. It was like, I started something and then I quit really, really fast. And those things maybe like weren't the best, but, um, but other things I really took the time to like talk to my friends about and talk to my family or whoever's close to you, or maybe it's just you, like who cares? But, um, but being a quitter isn't a bad thing if you're making the right decision for yourself and don't let anyone make you feel guilty about quitting um, as long as you feel good about it. So um, I wanted to share, I made a couple of notes of my favorite ways to work smarter and not harder as we talk about overwhelm. Um, and a lot of these things you guys have probably heard a million times, but you know me, I uh, like to reiterate things about 10,000 more times because um, we often hear things and then we say, that's such a good idea. And then we write it down and then we never go back to it. So hopefully this will be the 10,000, 10,000 time that you've heard it and then you'll actually do one of them. Um, so number one, we all know to create a schedule, right? Um, when you have a clear schedule to stick to, things can get done more efficiently. This allows you to also like gauge your time better, know where you're spending your time. Um, and this was actually something I did consistently, like really recently. And I mean really recently as in like the beginning of last month. Um, <laughs> because I was really, really like drowning in everything that I, you know, we had the e-retreat and the Babetown Collective and we had the Facebook group and the Instagram and the blog. And like, we, then we were adding membership site and I was like, okay, I need to know um, where the hell, like, because wh- people would email me and they would be like, I don't know how you do this. And I'm like, girl, I don't know how I do it. I don't know when am I doing it? Am I working in my sleep? Like, I have no idea. Um, so, so, and especially when it comes back to even simply what Danny was talking about, knowing what your time is worth, um, you need to know where you're spending your time. Um, and that even like, I even put like an hour on my schedule in the middle of the day to literally sit on the couch and do nothing because that's just how my brain works. Um, and that, that might not, some people would prefer to like be done an hour early, but like for me, I need like a big chunk of break in the middle of the day. But have you started scheduling anything or how does that work for you? Uh, yeah, I have like my calendar on my computer, but I also have like a plan. And mm-hmm. I, my schedule is very like, I just write a, a big to-do list of everything <laughs> I need to do. And then I just kind of go and just like number them like, okay, one, two, three, four, I need to do. And those things that are always like number 20, 18, 19, I'm like, these have been pushed back for weeks. It's like, <laughs> yeah. never going to get done. They're kind of optional almost. So like, no, one day this needs to be number one on the list, but it's kind of, it's a little bit chaotic how I schedule my days and like my to-do list and everything, but it like works for me. Like, and I'm obsessed with notepad paper. It's a problem. Like I have 20 notepads on the go or something just like all over. And I'm just like, what are you doing? Like, why is there so much paper? Can I throw it?
yeah, it's kind of like a disorganized, like I try to just maximize my days really. And my Awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a tough, it's a lot of balls to juggle everything and just learning what works best for you. And I'm also very much a pen and paper person, but I realized that like, I have to, for me personally, and the way that our business runs and the fact that we have a small team, like I really have to prioritize putting things in Trello, which is what you base all everything off of. And then like throughout the day, I can work through pen and paper on my, like on my own, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I don't think there's necessarily a right or wrong way of doing it as long as it keeps you and your potential team or the people that count on you, um, aware of what's going on. Awesome. Um, so that kind of leads me into my next tip, which again, you guys have heard a million times, which is automating and outsourcing. Um, again, something that I am still very new at. Um, we, we have had a team of three wonderful ladies, including myself for like four, three or four months now. Um, which has been incredible. Um, but it's scary. And we talked a lot about that. Um, in last week's episode, but how are you feeling about outsourcing? What have you had a chance to outsource? Are you not quite there yet? Are you scared of it? What's going on? Um, well, I would love to outsource, like get actually an assistant would be amazing, but I have actually two interns right now and they're quite helpful. They just help actually with like, um, I like write my blog posts, like do the research with outlines and I send the outlines to one girl and she'll like go through and like flesh out the content. And then I will just go over and kind of edit it just to change anything I want. But saves me a lot of time, especially because I just, I think I'm like, okay at writing, but I'm just like, not really interested in it. And I take a long time to like, actually write a whole blog post. And I'm like, this is necessary for, um, you know, marketing and my website and all that just to post content like weekly or whatever. But, um, so that's helpful. And another girl, um, um, she edited some photos for my stock shop and now I'm going to get her to do, um, like editing videos. Cause I want to do like videos on YouTube, just like, tutorials or like blogs or whatever. Uh, but those are really the only two things they outsource right now. I'm pretty sure. I think cause like I've, I designed my website myself and like I do all my marketing myself and all my retouching I do. Those are the things that maybe one day would be super nice to outsource, but for now I do it all. <laughs> yeah. And there's no, I don't think there's any huge rush to outsource everything. I think that there's a time when all of us feel a, it's necessary or I can't go on. And then also just like a general sense of comfort in letting a couple more pieces go. But I just think it's a good thing to start thinking about if you're someone who, who hasn't done it at all. Or like you said, it's just a few pieces here and there, which mm -hmm. believe me, it's just a few pieces of things yep. that I don't need to do, which mm -hmm. again, helps with the overwhelm. Mm -hmm. um, and the last thing that I wanted to mention today, again, this is something that I could talk about forever, but um, creating office hours and telling everyone about them. And specifically, I want to go back to Facebook messaging. Um, <laughs> this is something that can get you in a world of overwhelm and also in a world of bad habits very, very quickly. Um, so um, for me personally, it, it can be a little hard because my community, I am or I try to be available 24 seven and I basically built the community off the fact that I would be there 24 mm seven. -hmm. Um, but at some point you got to get to a point where it's like, okay, well like I will be available to you if I can't get to you today, like I will get to you tomorrow kind of thing. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. that was really, really important for me to put into place. And I think especially as photographers, um, we get so close to our clients and this, this, um, uh, pertains to a lot of different genres of, of entrepreneurship, but um, I'm just speaking as a photographer that we get so close to our clients and especially like face-to-face, -face, we're like with our lens all up in their bits, like we have this relationship and then all of a sudden they feel like they can Facebook message us at random hours of the night and ask us weird questions and <laughs> all of these things. And yeah. so even though like if I had nothing else to do and my job was to respond to these messages, I would be a thousand times okay with that because I love talking to people. But at the end of the day, there are a million other things that we do need to do. Mm -hmm. um, so is that something that you deal with? How do you, are you, do you have anything in place? Do you try to do you turn messaging off on your business page? What works for you? 
Um, I don't have office hours set. Like I do like do most of my work like during the day between like nine to five, but mm-hmm. I am kind of at that point where I will work evenings and stuff. So yeah, sometimes I'm mm-hmm. like oh, guilty of responding to messages late. So I'm, I'm enabling that behavior. Yeah. But, and some clients are so different because like Danny, it's so funny. She's like, oh, we've been in contact so much. We've talked to me like twice a month, she said, since we booked our shoot. Mm-hmm. And I have a client that I literally talk to every day, not because I talk to her every day. <laughs> Every day she checks in. <laughs> it's, okay. it's okay. She's excited. We have a lot to talk about. That's fine. Yeah. I almost feel like different people are like different levels of like meeting yeah. way or like yeah. to, um, just always be in contact or I literally had a meeting with a client last night, like 1130 at night, <laughs> which I was like, sure. Why not? Let's do it. I don't care. Like I'm just back from the gym. So I'm like sweaty and we're going to FaceTime, but whatever. Like, <laughs> so yeah, I'm probably bad for the boundaries, but at the same point, I don't have like kids or a family or a husband or any of that. So I'm kind of like, ah, it's fine. Like this is my life right now. Like I, I definitely see the, the value of like setting clear, like boundaries between work and family life because I know I won't be the type of person that will want to work like 24 seven but for now it's kind of just all over the place and I just work with it (laughs) I think there's something to be said about your first year or two in business Um, especially if you're single and especially if or, or even myself I'm married but like my husband can watch tv and like you know whatever it wouldn't be a big deal I can easily take advantage of those like evening hours and, and talk to people and send emails and those types of things um so I don't necessarily think that's wrong but I do think again along with making a schedule you will get to a point where you're like I can't like my brain is going to explode I have to turn it off and you'll know when that is but just keep it in the back of your mind that at some point you're going to really really want I just, like I said, these are things that the reasons I wrote them down is because of things that have recently changed my, my business yeah. life when it comes to overwhelm. And that is the fact that I turn my emails off after a certain time in the evening. And even if I'm working, I am not focused on that. And at least the communication between myself and my clients has like put itself in a respective place. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? And I can still hustle until 3am in the morning and that's fine. Yeah. But but I'm building that relationship with my clients in the future of them knowing like, this is when I can talk to you and this is when I can't. And like I said, there's no right or wrong answer, but um, I do think that it's something to think about if you are feeling overwhelmed by Facebook messages or emails or God forbid text messages. I know some people do that. I don't, but, (laughs) (laughs) but um, I also had that happen today. (laughs) Yeah. You know, they said a question mark and then like two hours later, another question mark. I'm like, I, I'll respond when I get to you. <laughs> it's a friend though, so it's fine. Yeah, totally. I was no. like, I'm working. No, totally fine. Yeah. Okay. Oh, no, I didn't even realize that I was even having a problem with that. <laughs> now I'm like, oh God, I need to set some boundaries. Like, yeah. Clearly this is popping up more than I realized. Yeah, it can run away quite quickly. <laughs> and like I said, I'm I'm totally guilty of enabling the behavior as well. But mm-hmm. when I like thought about it, like it was like last month or something that I started doing this and I was like, whoa, like, can you imagine? Hopefully, fingers crossed, our community grows three, four, five times this in the next year or so. And then I have three, four, five times more emails. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> be some more boundaries. You know what I mean? Wow. All right, Danny, you got any follow up questions, girl? Girl, no, you killed that. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was so good talking to you, girl. And I know I'm going to see you in just two days. I cannot <laughs> wait for that plane to touch down in Toronto. <laughs> Um, in the meantime, tell the audience where they can stock you online. Yeah, for sure. Well, my website is shirkstudios.com. Shirk is C-H-A-R-U-K. And um, I'm most active on Instagram. My handle is, again, Shirk Studios. I also have a Facebook page. Uh, it's, again, Shirk Studios. And I'm also active on Pinterest. <laughs> I, yeah, I try to pin, like, blog posts and, like, a lot of uh, business tips and stuff on there. Um, so yeah, I think those are just the main social media platforms though for me. Love it. Thank you so, so much for hanging out with us Thank tonight. You. Okay, nice. Thank you.